fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three, two, one. Top of the morning to you all, lads and lasses of the Washington, D.C. area. From our Mass and All Access podcast family to yours, happy almost St. Patrick's Day. Welcome into the show. Bobby Blanco here, coming to you from my home in Washington, D.C. I will have my co-host Amy Jennings on the show, uh, joining me via Zoom in just a bit. A lot to get to today, of course. Um, some breaking news over the past 12, four hours. We're going to break down the bullpen as well a little bit later. Um, here, Also hear from Steven Strasberg about his injury. But be sure to be commenting along, tuning in, whether you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter on all our Mass and Nationals channels. Be sure to comment along. We thank you so much for making us a part of your Tuesday uh, afternoon lunch break. Um, and uh, we hope that you are a part of the conversation. We really enjoy your feedback throughout the course of the show. Let's bring in Amy. And Amy, it is uh, the day before St. Patrick's Day. I am wearing my St. Patrick's Day green, feeling lucky t-shirt. You are wearing your Maryland red because, of course, our Terps locked in uh, that 10 seed in the NCAA tournament starting on Friday, and they'll play Saturday night. That's right, Bobby. I thought you'd be wearing your Maryland gear today, but I see we're going with the St. Patrick's Day theme. I'll, I'll give it to you. Do you have another shirt to wear tomorrow? Or we're just gonna, you're going to go with the same vibes tomorrow? <laughs> and I'm having some technical oh. difficulties where I can't hear you because my earpiece just Can fell out. Now? So I'm going to let it, send it to you, Amy, while I get this figured out. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, I'm worth sporting my, my Maryland gear because, of course, it's March. Maryland matching up with UConn on Saturday, so I'm pretty excited for that. But we do have some big news to bring to you guys um, today, and that's that the Nationals will officially have fans for opening day. Um, they're going to allow about 5,000 fans, which is a lot less than most teams are are allowing for opening day, but it's fans nonetheless, and that's really exciting. I think that breaks down to like 11 or 12% of the Nationals' full capacity, um, but fans nonetheless, which is not only great for us fans because we'll get to be in the ballpark, but it's also great for organizations across baseball because having fans in the stands is so important um, uh, to getting back to the way things used to be. Bobby, can you hear me now? Yeah, I'm back. Sorry, this is uh, my earpiece thing, though. The connection cord is a, is very fidgety, <laughs> and if I move too much, it kind of just slips out and falls out and uh, I lose. It hasn't happened yet, actually, as long as we've been doing these podcasts uh, from our homes. That hasn't happened live on air yet, so that was kind of unfortunate timing. But I am back. I can hear you now. And, yes, thank you for transitioning to the fans. Of course, there was uh, the breaking news over the past 12 hours. That happened late last night. Odd that they announced it so late on a Monday night. But nonetheless, we have fans, like you said, 5,000. Um, and here, just quickly from that press release via the Washington Nationals, um, you know, they're returning to Nationals Park, 5,000 fans with the approval from the government of the District of Columbia and Major League Baseball. They announced that the Nationals Park will welcome fans back to the ballpark for the 2021 season, beginning on opening day, April 1st against the New York Mets, which, of course, will be a live game um, on national broadcast on ESPN. In accordance with the CDC recommendations and MLB protocols, um, the Nationals will implement appropriate social distancing and safety measures that will allow Nationals Park to host fans beginning on opening day. The key word here, 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 discussions will begin uh, the week, this week, meaning this week as we speak, uh, with officials from the district about increasing capacity for the second homestand, which begins on April 15th. And among those protocols, health and safety protocols, they are allowing tickets uh, in pods of one to six people uh, and suites will be reduced, uh, opened at a reduced capacity. And these tickets will be available to Nats Plus members and season ticket holders uh, first. And then they will open up uh, single game tickets to uh, the uh the greater community at a later date. Face coverings, of course, that cover both the nose and mouth are required at all times. All tickets will be delivered digitally and include color-coded gate assignments. So there will be no hard tickets. You can't print out your ticket at home and hand it in. Um, everything via the uh, your mobile app on your phone. And you will be given a specific gate at Nationals Park to which you will enter and exit the ball game. Um, there, will, of course, will be no cash accepted for food or beverage, parking, or at the team's store. Everything digital or on, via a credit card. Um, and then, of course, hundreds of hand sanitizer stations have been installed throughout the ballpark. And I even saw that they installed um, hands-free condiment scent, uh, sections for the uh, food and beverage uh, dis distribution. So that's uh, pretty neat. And there's a whole bunch of other things. For more on that, go to MassInSports.com. Mark Zuckerman wrote late last night about all the different uh, health and safety protocols that you will see at Nationals Park this 
we, uh, this year, hopefully you will feel feel safe enough to go attend a ball game. And Amy, that crucial part right there too. Hopefully, discussions later this week that for that second homestand starting on April fifteenth against the Diamondbacks, they might be able to open up a little more fans into the stands. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like you just have to get things going, get the precedent set, um, make sure all of, all of the things that you just mentioned are working well and, and going right, and then maybe you can add on as the season goes. And I think every um, ballpark will do that across the country, just slowly add on, add on, add on. And then as the vaccine gets more widespread and we're towards the end of the season, maybe we'll have what feels like a kind of normal ballpark setting. Yeah, hopefully. And um, uh, and from everything that we've heard, too, the reports who, um, of, of the reporters and fans alike who have been at this games at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches so far this spring training, that has gone swimmingly. Very similar uh, health and safety protocols down there. Uh, the pods in particular, uh, the face coverings during, during the entire game. So uh, all, everything I've seen on that front has, has gone well. And yeah, it would have been weird if the Nationals were the only team in baseball to not allow fans to start the season. And we figured this would be the case. And the good thing it was made official late last night. And hopefully we'll be able to add more fans, um, increase capacity starting in mid-April, uh, just after my birthday. So that's exciting news for the Nationals. Um, on a more sour note, unfortunately, we this kind of piggybacks on our conversation last week, Amy, about the starting rotation um, and, and our main takeaway there, which is pretty much the main takeaway for any time you talk about a team and your, your outlook onto the season is staying healthy particularly for Steven Strasburg, who, of course, we know made only uh, two starts last year, only pitched five innings uh, with uh, the carpal tunnel syndrome in his right hand, had that fixed. Uh, Then in his second spring training start on Sunday, had to leave early uh, due to a calf strain. And luckily, it's just a calf strain, Amy. But anytime you hear Steven Strasburg, early exit, injury, I think it's uh, a natural reaction to kind of uh, uh, hesitate and gasp a little bit and have some cause for concern. I know we talked about it so much last week and it's like, has he ever been healthy for a whole season? And then you hear this news and it's like, it's kind of not surprising. Obviously it's still disappointing, uh, but you just kind of just shake your head and you're like, maybe this is just par for the course. Uh, uh, he says he bounces back quick. So hopefully, and like you said, it's just, a, it's just a left calf strain. So he's day to day, but it shouldn't take too long for him to recover. And he mentioned he, he bounces back quick, but it's just kind of like, come on, Steven, why, why now? Um, but of course with this pitching staff, um, it's kind of expected, Bobby, just shake your head. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's just like, yeah, you mentioned it's the good thing is like I feel like typically we see Steven Strasburg, uh, not typically, but whenever there's something an injury going on, it's the arm shaking. Is whenever you see him shake his arm, that's when you freak out. And there was nothing like that. He kind of just grabbed his leg. Seemed like just a calf injury. But uh, Steven Strasburg, of course, spoke after that start. He didn't seem that there uh, feel like there was too much cause for concern. He got the all clear, and hopefully he'll get on the mound in a couple of days. But here is Steven Strasburg. Uh, discussing his injury to his calf on Sunday afternoon. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, everything was feeling good. And then it kind of, uh, you know, calf grabbed me a little bit. And, um, you know, luckily the, you know, reports and stuff from the doctor is uh, nothing nothing major. So it was just kind of more of a precautionary thing. And, um, you know, I just kind of take a day to day and um, see how it feels tomorrow. Which calf was it and what kind of test did you go through already? Uh, left left calf um, just kind of uh, strained the plantaris. Um, I don't know if it's a ligament or tendon or something like that. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of just uh, – I guess it happens, but it's not something that's, um, you know, going to require any sort of long-term – um, recovery. So it's, um, definitely good news. So, you know, day to day. Hey, Steven, I know you're like a half hour from having come out of the game or whatever it is, but do you expect this to kind of just be, you know, maybe it's a bullpen, see how you feel next morning kind of deal and ramp up slowly to whenever you appear again? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the direction it's going and, um, you know, I think it's still just kind of treated and, um, you know, luckily I, I feel like I'm a fast healer. So, um, I don't think it would be something that could, uh, you know, prolong, uh, be a prolonged absence. Telling there for me too, Amy, is that yeah, Stephen kind of laughs about it. He kind of shakes it off. Uh, I feel like Stephen Strasburg in past years, when talking about an injury specifically, he's very 
uh, quiet, way more somber. Uh, this team, he was kind of laughing, joking about it, um, and you can tell his spirits are way higher than he normally would be after leaving a, a start early due to injury. Right, and I guess that kind of means it's probably both spring training and it's probably not too big of a deal, which is really good news. Um, so hopefully he can come back quick, make his, his next start when he's expected to, and it's kind of just a thing of the past, um, and, and nothing carries over into the season. That's going to be the most important thing. Yep, absolutely. So uh, that will kind of wrap up uh, last week's episode in terms of talking about the starting rotation of course, that news just came across the other day, so we wanted to make sure you touched on that. But now we'll be beginning to uh, talk about a different portion of the pitching staff, of course, the bullpen. And Amy, we talked about this a little bit before, but this seems like on paper the best bullpen the Nationals have had um, in, in a long time. Um, and in a couple of years, uh, they've filled out. They went out and got Brad Hand, of course, the top uh, um uh, left-handed pitcher, not just left-handed pitcher, but relief pitcher on the market last year of uh, this offseason. Um, they're bringing back, of course, Daniel Hudson and Will Harris. You saw the emergence of Tanner Rainey and Kyle Finnegan last year. There are some other familiar faces like Wander Suero still hanging around. Um, so on paper, it seems like Davey Martinez has the deepest bullpen he's ever had while being the manager of the Nationals and guys that can play or, uh, or factor in different roles and, and pitch different innings for him. Right. I mean, and that depth is going to be the most important thing because Davey gets so much criticism about having to ride the same guys day in and day out, but that's because of injuries and nobody else really being reliable. So having that depth in that bullpen is going to be so important for Davey Martinez and will hopefully give these the Nationals the boost that they need because we know that the Nationals bullpen um, historically has not been great. I mean, the, even the year that they won the World Series, they had the worst bullpen by ERA in the majors. In 2020, just last year, they improved a little bit, but still the eighth worst uh, by ERA in the majors. And it's constantly overturning. I mean, they're adding, getting rid of guys. They haven't really had a stable, um, productive bullpen in so long. I was looking on the 2014 playoff roster. There wasn't a single reliever that was on the 2016 playoff roster as well. And then in 2019, there wasn't a single uh, reliever on that roster that was on the 2016 playoff roster. So it's constantly overturning um, and, and making additions, obviously, guys going away. But hopefully, maybe the Nationals are putting together a bullpen here that maybe will stick uh, and give them the results that they want for, for a while. Yeah, that's a great point, and and, and like it, we we saw a small uptake last year, and I think a lot of part is is that due to like I said the emergence of uh, Tanner Rainey and Kyle Finnegan, but then you also think about on the other hand, like uh, of course Sean Doolittle was not a major part, factor of that bullpen for a good portion of last year, and when he was, he wasn't fantastic. Uh, Will Harris suffered with injury issues at times, so you know we were having. Probably a similar conversation at this point last year. And, of course, with the shutdown and the shortened season, it didn't uh, turn into that. But now we're here, and everyone seems to be healthy. Everyone seems to be pitching, uh, maybe with a small exception of Tanner Rainey, but he's starting to get on the mound more recently. Um, and now it seems like everything's coming together. And with a full spring training under their belt, being able to ramp up at a normal time, a normal pace, they'll be able to maybe hit the ground running come spring training. And that's something that Dave Martinez has preached a lot, right? He wants to uh, be playing like they do in May on April 1st. He doesn't want us another slow start. And I think the bullpen has a big factor in that because I feel like for the past couple of years, including that 29, especially the 2019 season, it was the bullpen that had really a slow start and that really held this team back from having that fast start. We've seen the offense produce. We know what the starting pitching can do, but the bullpen is sometimes a factor that holds them back for a little bit. So I think they're a major factor in terms of how this team gets off to a fast start like Dave Martinez wants and being able to uh, pull off a couple of wings. And they've got a tough opening schedule, right? I mean, we know that they face uh, the Mets and the Braves a couple of times early in the season. The Dodgers are for their first road trip. So it's not going to be easy out of the gate, and this bullpen's going to uh, be called on to pitch in a lot of high-leverage situations and pressure innings to keep games close and, and protect leads uh, early on in this season. But Daniel Hudson, of course, is one of the staples. He is probably now the veteran guy, right? It was for years, Sean Doolittle. Now with Sean Doolittle moving on to Cincinnati, it is Daniel Hudson who is taking the, over the reins as the veteran leader on this bullpen. Uh, he's probably he's been here, of course, since mid twenty nineteen, uh, and, and he was asked. This was a, when he first made his first press conference availability. 
back in February, uh, late February, and he was asked about like the depth of the bullpen and the roles guys will use um, and how there are a lack of egos in this back end of the bullpen and guys are really uh, just kind of molding into whatever position Davey Martinez wants them to, and it doesn't matter who pitches the ninth inning or the eighth inning or the seventh inning. These guys are ready to pitch uh, whatever inning that they are called upon. So here's Daniel uh, Daniel Hudson earlier in this uh, offseason or the spring training discussing uh, the roles of the bullpen and the depth the Nationals have. Yeah, I mean, depth is depth is great. Um, the more options Davey's got down there to, to kind of mix, mix and match and navigate, uh, navigate a lineup is the better, you know. Um, you know, and just to have, uh, you know, different looks and different options. You know, you got cutter guys, you got sinker guys, um, you know, you got guys that throw really hard. And, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be exciting. And I'm sure Davey's looking forward to having uh, multiple options. Um, and I'm definitely looking forward to, to wherever he's going to plug guys in and seeing how he's going to do that. I'm, I'm really excited to see how he's going to work. I think just having more options down there. And, and like you said, there's no egos. You know, I think just the way the modern bullpen is kind of, started to take shape. Um, you know, there's really not roles anymore. I mean, there's guys that, you know, managers count on to pitch certain situations and whatnot, but um, I feel like the more options that managers have um, to throw guys earlier in games than maybe they're used to, or interchange guys in the eighth and ninth innings, or, you know, use so-and-so pitcher because the matchups are good in the sixth inning, you know, even though he typically pitches in the eighth or ninth, I mean, the more options, the better. Um, and I think that's just the way the modern bullpen is kind of moving. And, um, you know, roles kind of, they still do exist, but at the same time, I feel like we're all just relievers now. We're not, there's not really a closer or eighth inning or seventh inning guy. It's just, uh, you know, let's just go get outs whenever we're asked who cares about what inning it's in. Um, you know, in my opinion, the, the, fifth or sixth inning could be just as important as the ninth inning one night. It just changes from night to night. And for, for guys to be able to kind of accept that and, and not have egos about, Oh man, I got to get the saves or I got to get the holds. And, you know, I think that's just uh, the way it's got to be from, from here on out. And I think that's uh, really important to the formation of a, you know, a cohesive bullpen and, and, you know, moving guys around. I like what Huddy has to say there about that's just not the way bullpens are constructed nowadays in terms of very set and defined roles. You have to be more flexible, uh, not just how the manager uses the bullpen, but how guys um, approach their roles in the bullpen. And it seems like the Nationals have a good group of guys who understand that, are willing to accept that, and are ready to pitch in any inning that they're called upon to do. Right. That note's kind of especially important for uh, Daniel Hudson because we know he's been asked to close and he doesn't really love to close. Yeah. Uh, so maybe this, this depth in this bullpen this year will give him some, some variability and be able to move around in that bullpen. But just, just kind of like he said, it's like you never have too many qual- quality relievers or um, too many guys that can pitch in all different types of situations. So that'll give Davey Martinez some options, probably put a little bit more stress on him because uh, he has to figure out how to use these guys, especially at the beginning of the season. But it is interesting because you know, the bullpens really are changing in the modern day bullpen. I mean, you would expect Brad Hand to come in and be the automatic closer right. of of this bullpen. And maybe he will end up being, but it seems like right now that's it's, it's not set in stone. And depending on matchups and all of that, things will change as the season goes on. Yeah. And you mentioned the options. Let's get into some of those options. The main options, at least, that we know David Martinez will have to employ this year. And you mentioned Brad Hand. Let's start with the new guy. Brad Hand, of course, comes over, uh, signs a one-year, $10.5 million contract in January for the Nationals. Like I said, he was the top reliever, not just left-hander on the market, and the Nationals nabbed him. Uh, and at the time, Amy, we talked about this was a huge get for the Nationals because they, they needed to make a big splash. And, and whether it was a fourth starter or a corner outfielder or infielder, or really, they needed to do something big to add to this lineup. And we really liked the addition of Brad Hand to this bullpen and what he brings. Uh, and we liked that their big splash was him as opposed to somewhere else. Exactly. I mean, this was a huge addition. Uh, for the Nationals in his offseason. And Brad Hand, we're going to go through this list of relievers, and a lot of them are looking to have bounce-back years. But that's not the case with Brad Hand. He's coming off of an outstanding year um, for the Nationals, and they just need him to to continue the numbers that he put up in 2020. He led the majors with 16 saves and led the majors with most strikeouts without allowing a home run at 29. Um, So in his career, in the five seasons, he's obviously started as a starter, turned reliever in his five years since completely 
uh, um, pitching in relief. He has a 2.70 ERA with 104 saves in 127 chances. So this is was the hot name on the market as far as relief pitchers. Obviously, a lefty, which is huge for this bullpen that is lacking, lacking lefties. And this will give this bullpen a huge boost um, and give Davey Martinez probably a breath of fresh air that the bullpen's not going to be a, a cause of concern this this year. Yeah, and he, I mean, you dive deeper into the numbers too. Of course, he's a lefty, and he's not just a lefty on lefty guy. Uh, and, and we're going to talk about the lack of lefties in this bullpen too, uh, Amy. But, you know, he is someone that gets lefties out at a high clip, like he, like he should, the, the caliber left-hander pitcher that he has. Um, he held left-handers to just hitting 150 off him last year, and even right-hander struggled. He had 226 just off him. Um, cause for concern, I mean, not cause for concern, but just point out he did have a diminished fastball velocity last year, something that, that was made uh, uh, kind of a priority for him entering spring training. Uh, it dropped almost a little over a whole mile per hour from 92.7 to 91.4, but he still got success off of it. I mean, he uh, hitters only hit 270 uh, and slug 440 off his fastball when it was faster in 2019, but that dropped to 142 and 273 in 2020 uh, with a decrease in velocity. So he still got outs with it. Uh, the, the spin rate was virtually the same. Uh, his best pitch, though, is his slider. So I think for him, if Brad Hand can get his fastball velocity back to where it, can, it, it is normally supposed to be um, and uh, he can complement that with his slider, keep guys honest off it because you no know pitchers are going to try to sit on or hitters are going to try to sit on that slider. If his fastball velocity can get back up and he can command it like we've seen him do last year, even with the dip of velocity, velocity I think that uh, Brad Hand is going to be one of the most effective relievers in all of baseball this year, not just for the Nationals bullpen, but in all of the sport. Uh, and he is going to be used in a multiple uh, variety in a variety of roles, closing games when the matchups call for it, uh, passing the game from the eighth. It just depends where the lineup, you know, the matchups dictate, right? Because there are, we know the power lefties in this National League East. You got to go up against Bryce Harper, Freddie Freeman, Pete Alonso, guys like that who absolutely mash the ball. He's going to be called upon to get those guys out time and time again. Yeah, exactly. And they, it's he can't just be the closer because there's going to be, especially in this division with Freddie Freeman, with Bryce Harper, there's going to be a lot of matchup situations where they're going to need him, especially if they're lacking lefties um, in this bullpen. And just like you mentioned, the velocity is going to be his thing over spring training, trying to get that back up there, back up there. That's what he mentioned going into spring training. He wanted to work on it. It seems like he's feeling pretty comfortable with it so far. Um, and he also mentioned he was focused on developing a relationship with Alex Avila because Jan Gomes said catched him in Cleveland. So he felt like he had a pretty good repertoire with him. Um, he just wanted to build that that uh, relationship up with Alex through spring training. So on opening day, they feel feel comfortable throwing to each other. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's going to be a, a factor on uh, throughout the course of spring training and the early parts of the regular season, too. I mean, I don't think we talked. We definitely did not talk enough about how difficult this uh, spring training is for catchers, right? There are familiarities, of course, with the guys coming back. But you look at guys like John Lester, now Brad Hand coming back, uh, and you're adding a second catcher who hasn't seen these guys in Alex Sevilla, who never caught them before. So it, there's going to be some give and take there a little bit and, and maybe a grace period where they're trying to learn each other, learn, learn their strengths. And while pitchers also continue to work on different things as well. So I think people sometimes forget about that relationship. That's not just the pitcher. The catcher has to work with them as well. So that's going to be very important. Um, we also just so we just heard uh, from Daniel Hudson. Let's move on to him because he is the next big name in the back end of this bullpen. Like I said, uh, the veteran presence here. He's uh, coming on. It's crazy in the last year of his contract with the Nationals, his two-year deal he signed before 2020 when they brought him back. Um, after that World Series run, of course, everyone remembers him for getting that last out in Game 7, striking out Michael Brantley. Uh, but 2020 was a, a, a tough year, not just, of course, for everybody, but Daniel Hudson statistically as well. He did appear in 21 games in over 20 innings, but his ERA was uh, 6.10. Um, and after mid-August, that never got below 540. So he really struggled uh, for the most part of the, uh, he, he had a good start, but after uh, that mid-August slump, he, he really could never regain his footing and get back to where he was. Only the 28 strikeouts, a high whip of 1258, um, and opponents were absolutely crushing his slider. 294 off it, slugging 647. Um, so Daniel Hudson is looking to kind of refine that form he found late in 2019. Um, and and show that the Nationals that they did invest the the proper amount of money and the time to him um, in this last year of his two year deal. 
Right. I mean, Daniel Hudson was the guy in this bullpen in 2019, ERA just 144. And then you mentioned the ERA over six um, in 2020. So it's like night and day, the Daniel Hudson's we got in, in back-to-back years. And the thing is, is really in 2020, his velocity wasn't down like a lot of pitchers were, like we mentioned with Brad Hand. And it didn't really seem like his command was too off. It was just his put-away pitches, right? He would get get ahead 0-2 in the count, and then he'd walk a guy. Um, and that's so important, especially in, in later innings and games, that you're not giving up those walks. You're not getting ahead and then giving up walks. So it's working on those put-away pitches. Uh, I'm sure we'll see throughout spring training. But it's not that his velocity was down or his command was all over the place, which is uh, which is kind of crazy because that's what we saw across the board with with a lot of pitchers in, in 2020. But Daniel Hudson was the anchor of this bullpen in 2019, and they need him. Um, he'll still be a, a crucial piece to this bullpen in 2021. You just need him to get back um, to that end-of-season form he was in 2019, just like you mentioned. Yeah, and he, his home run rate was through the roof. It was by far his worst of his career, over two-and-a-half home runs. Uh, per nine innings, which you never want to see, especially out of a reliever. Uh, and, and I think, like, he's kind of the reverse of, of Brad Hunt. We, we just said Brad Hunt needs to work on his fastball velocity to play off his slider. Well, I think Daniel Hudson needs to get back to his slider to play off his vola- fastball because, like you said, his fastball played well last year. Uh, it was pretty effective, his most effective pitch, but his slider was nothing. So it was just guys – were able to kind of wait for that slider, knew it wasn't that effective, and hit hit that. Um, and like you also mentioned, the, the walk rate needs to be lower than 4.8 per nine innings. Um, he's already got two outings this uh, year so far in spring training. No walks, which is a good sign. Only the one home run so far and uh, no strikeouts yet. But uh, I think having help around him, right? This is what we talked about when the Nationals acquired uh, Daniel Hudson. He was helping Sean Doolittle, right? Well, now it's his turn to receive some help. Brad Hand. Uh, of course, Will Harris will be healthy and have a full season, hopefully. So if if, if Daniel Hudson can benefit from all of the other uh, help he has now in the bullpen, you can rely more on Tanner Rainey. You can hopefully rely more on Wander Suero and guys like Kyle Finnegan. I think that will help Daniel Hudson not have to pressure. You also mentioned, you know, he doesn't like closing. That's not what he wants to do. He wants to be more of a setup guy. So if he doesn't have to do that on a daily basis, like he had to do in 2019, like he had to do in parts of 2020, I think he'll fit more into this bullpen and be more comfortable. And David Martinez can ease him into like around 60 appearances throughout the course of the season. Um, and that will set him up uh, better for success than we saw last year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he has two 20 hold seasons, so maybe he'll be able to be able to go for his his third this year. He's pitched in two games so far for spring training, giving up two hits, um, just one earned run. So we'll we'll keep looking at him and his appearances. I'm sure Davey Martinez wants to get these guys as many outings throughout spring training as they can. So they're they're up to that workload uh, that the 2021 season will bring in. Moving on to another guy that is looking to have a bounce back year is Will Harris. Uh, his first year at the Nationals in 2020 really didn't go according to plan. And like a lot of guys, a lot of these guys in this bullpen, uh, he, he's looking to have a, a bounce back year. And we talk so much about, you know, the lack of lefties in this bullpen. But Will Harris is a guy that has really good results against left handed hitters. So, you know, maybe these guys, righties that are have really good results against uh, left handed hitters are just as effective as having those lefties in your bullpen. So that'll be important, especially just like you mentioned in, in this division is having guys that that can work, um, work those matchups. Um, and, and his thing is probably going to be mixing his cutter better. Yeah. Uh, that's a pitch he attacks left-handed hitters really well with, but it's just mixing it in, mixing it in well. And all through 2020, you saw him, I mean, he pitched that, he threw that more than 75% of the time, um, but he was also pitching around an injury. Uh, so he's throwing kind of, kind of what felt better throughout 2020. So it'll be interesting to see him back in healthy form, what he's throwing, what, what his pitch mix looks like. Yeah, he struck out of the gate last year. He, I, I think, I, I kind of forgot this one. I went back to look at it. He was charged with a blown save in his first appearance as a national, um, and he was scored upon in each of his first three outings. So he really had a slow start. I wonder how much that was a, a due to the fact that uh, the shutdown and, and the the quick ramp up at, at summer camp. So hopefully, with the elongated spring training, more time to kind of settle in. Again, he's thirty six years old, right? So he, he might need a little more time to get ready for the season than, say, the younger guys will. And I think that kind of off time last year maybe shook him for a little bit. Of course, spent time on the injury list with the groin strain. That didn't help. So staying healthy is going to be a key for him. Um, and, and then once you, you mentioned the cutter, 
it's just mixing up his pitches, right? Uh, because without his cutter, other pitches suffered. Uh, his primary pitch, which is a curveball, was absolutely hammered. He opponents hit 412 off it last year. So if he's able to mix in his cutter a bit more, uh, and then that will help his other pitches play better um, and can get back into a more of a groove. But I really think it's the time off last year that kind of shook up Daniel, uh, excuse me, Will Harris. Um, and I think that if, if he's able to stay healthy throughout the course of spring training, ramp up his arm the way he's grown accustomed to, um, and, and likes to at this point in his career, he'll have a much better success. Um, and then again, at the same time, like you said, 36, same with Daniel Hudson. He doesn't need to carry a big load. He was asked to do a lot in Houston. He's not going to be asked to do too much in Washington uh, now in his second year with Brad Hand, Daniel Hudson, and of course all the other guys we've yet to talk about. So he's going to need to be maybe that seventh inning, inning guy. He's not going to be called upon to close too much, I don't think. But he could do it if if absolutely needed. So uh, I, I think he'll settle in nicely to a seventh, eighth inning role, and uh, I think the Nationals will be happy with uh, a more rested, uh, more prepared Will Harris than they saw last year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he's talked so like he said it, it was my growing the whole season. It was kind of just nagging and nagging, um, and that's you know why we saw, probably saw some of the results we did from him. He's pitched in two games so far this spring training, giving up two hits. Um, two runs and one home run. So he'll, just like everybody else, get a lot more appearances, a lot more innings in before the start of the season. And Tanner Rainey's the guy that we want to see uh, <laughs> get a lot of a lot more innings. Uh, he hasn't pitched in a game yet because of that muscle strain uh, by his right collarbone, right, Bobby? Yeah, it's his right collarbone, which is like a very, when Davey Martinez announced it, it was like a very weird, like I didn't even know there was a muscle underneath there that you could strain, but... There we are. Yeah. Yeah. And so he pitched. I think the last time he pitched was uh, he, he uh, pitched to some some live hitters on Sunday, uh, but he hasn't made his debut in the game. But it seems like things are ramping up and we might see him see him kind of soon. But this is a guy that in 2020 made huge strides in this bullpen. I mean, we've talked a lot about T- Tanner Rainey um, last year. He had a two six six ERA. Um, and, and stranded 96% of runners. So we saw really great results from Tanner Rainey. And I think Davey Martinez, yeah, this is a guy that he's going to want to rely on. So it's going to be important that come opening day, it um, might take a little bit longer for him to get going, but he's ready for, for game workloads or rather back-to-back game workloads because this is a guy that I would imagine Davey Martinez kind of has plans to rely on a lot again. Yeah, I mean, and he should because Tanner Rainey, was fantastic last year. Two six six ERA, a WHIP of zero point seven three eight, uh, in twenty and a third innings. Uh, Thirty two strikeouts to just seven walks. That's uh, his K per nine is for over fourteen, which is absolutely great. Um, didn't allow too many hits. And, and the biggest thing about Tanner Rainey is his able to get out of tough situations. Right? He was uh, he only allowed opponents to hit o ninety five. With runners in scoring position, two for twenty-one last year, which is incredible, and he didn't give up a single hit. Zero for nine with two outs and runners in scoring position. So Tanner Rainey is the guy that you want in a tough situation. We saw it a little bit in the twenty nineteen postseason. We saw it a lot last year, and you know a lot's been made of this of his future. He's got the stuff to be a closer, right? I mean, he's going to be the closer for this team in the in the not too distant future. For right now, he's going to be. Uh, uh, David Martinez is fireman. He's going to have to put out fires because you've got veteran guys like Harris, Hudson, and now Hand. Uh, the Triple H is in the back end of the bullpen. Rainey is going to be the guy that maybe in the sixth, seventh inning when there's a jam or the starting pitcher starting to kind of uh, uh, waver a little bit. Uh, Ten Rainey is going to come in and, and hopefully put out the fire because he was excellent at that last year. Um, the big question mark is can he prove that he can be that consistently over 162 games, um, and can he make about 60 appearances over the course of a regular season and stay healthy? You know, this is a, he ended the season injured last year. He is now a little bit sore in his collarbone this year in spring training. So can he stay healthy and be consistent over the course of the entire season? That's going to be the question mark for Tanner Rainey. But the, the, the upside of him and the future for him is so bright and so positive. I think the Nationals are very excited for this guy that they traded Tanner Roark for a couple years ago. Yep. Yeah, he's definitely the up and coming name in this bullpen and all those numbers that you just mentioned. I mean, with number with guys in scoring position or with two outs, I mean, those are just 
I mean, he can pitch in clutch situation, and he's a guy that Davey Martinez can trust going to. So, yeah, the the, the closer we're going to see and, and not too long from now, but right now, Davey Martinez just know, knows he can rely on him and rely on him a lot um, come, come opening day. And it might take him a little bit longer to get going uh, because of this muscle strain, but hopefully we'll see him in-game action here pretty soon, and he'll be able to get some inning and, innings in to feel com- uh, comfortable. Um, come come the regular season. Yeah, and a guy that we also saw kind of burst onto the scene last year, uh, and maybe the expectations are they're pretty high for him, like Tanner, but maybe not as much because he doesn't have the experience, is Kyle Finnegan. Uh, we talked about, about him a lot uh, near the end of last season and a little bit over this offseason, rightfully so, because Kyle Finnegan really proved himself. This is a guy that had not made a major league appearance yet. He was a career minor leaguer for the A's, um, around uh, Christmas time after the 2019 season, before 2020, I think the Nationals, or maybe it was in January, the Nationals signed him to a major league deal. They gave him a, a major league deal to a guy who had not made his major league debut yet. And boy, did he prove that he could do it. I mean, he came on and pitched extremely well out of nowhere for this team uh, in, in the bullpen in 2020. 25 games, an ERA under three, 27 strikeouts. He was absolutely fantastic. And uh, I, like I said, I don't think that he is... Um, maybe on the same path in terms of we should be expecting high things, a lot of things from Kyle Finnegan this year, like we are Tanner Rainey. But in a couple of years, I think Kyle Finnegan is going to prove himself to be a strong piece in the back end of this bullpen. And, and he, he is 29 years old, but the lack of major league experience means the team uh, has him under control through the 2024 season. So give him time. I think Kyle Finnegan can be a big factor in this bullpen for the next couple of years, including this year. Right. I mean, he's definitely a, a tear down from the, the names that we've mentioned so far. But this is a guy, just like you said, that the Nationals gave a major league contract to, despite never debuting in his seven seasons with the Athletics. Um, and he, he came here and he, and he pitched great. He didn't give up a run in his first nine games. His ERA stayed super low uh, through September. It's just that he's struggling uh, so far this spring. Um, he's his location is he's throwing the ball hard, but his location just isn't there. He's missing his spots. Uh, he's pitched in five games so far, given up five hits, five earned runs um, and three home runs. So he, he kind of needs to settle in here uh, through the remainder of spring training, kind of figure some things out. But he really came came to came and fulfilled his job and his role in this bullpen. Um, and he kind of sets him up to be a, a pretty reliable middle uh, inning reliever for Davey Martinez. Yeah, he finished last season with eight consecutive scoreless innings, uh, and that moved him to a more prominent role. He might not be in that prominent role this year if everything goes according to plan, but we know that he can if forced into that in a situation like that. Uh, against righties, he uses a slider, which he held them to only hitting 143 off of. Lefties, he goes to a changeup, which they only hit 100 off of um, last year. So he's pretty effective with those two pitches, um, knows how to work them against righties and lefties. Um, and, and and for, I mean, he's not that young of a guy. He's 29 years old, right? So he seems like we're mm-hmm. talking about a young pitcher because he doesn't have that much major league experience, but he is 29 years old. So he's been around for a little bit and he has a ton of minor league experience, got a good amount of major league experience last year. Uh, and, and I think that we're maybe seeing him kind of develop now into, I mean, he's got a major league arm, right? I mean, we know that it plays up here. Uh, it's just a matter, of, I think, getting more reps and more outings uh, in term, in major league games, and we'll see him develop into a nice reliever. But he showed that he could do it, and not just small bursts, but throughout pretty consistently. He went through a, a rough patch uh, around midseason. He got scored upon in four of seven outings, but then, of course, he finished the season strong with eight scoreless outings. So Kyle Finnegan is a guy that I think the Nationals, they might have found a diamond in the rough. I think they definitely know that they did. Um, so... Keep that big league arm. Keep that potential up. Uh, show that you can do it consistently. Um, and, you know, you're not going to, like I said, ho- ideally, you will not be called upon to do too much like you were last year. But if you are, we know that you're capable of doing it. So he's a good, I'm not saying, I'm not calling him a backup arm, but he's a good arm to have in there in case a Tanner Rainey uh, or, or Daniel Hudson needs a day off. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right about that. And then, a guy who hasn't disappointed in spring training at all. He's kind of been the the highlight of this bullpen in spring training is Wander Suero. Um, he, he, I mean, just yesterday he struck out the side for the second time in five games. Um, uh, he leads this team in strikeouts. 
Um, and he's just really, really come into his own this spring training. So you kind of have high hopes that he will. I mean, he's a guy who came up kind of quick. He was with the Victor Robles and the, the Juan Sotos and that he came onto the scene quick. It's kind of hard to believe that he's made 140 big league appearances. Uh, but it's kind of time for him to, to do his job, come into his own and be an arm that Davey Martinez can continue to rely on. Uh, you know that over spring training of the offseason as well, he's working on getting stronger. Um, that was Davey Martinez's big thing is that he really needed to get stronger and, and he looks it uh, and he's really shown out uh, so far this spring training. Yeah, the, the strength is, is is a big thing because his velocity his velocity is where uh, Wander Suero finds his most success. When his velocity was down last year, he really struggled. He entered September with a 5.54 ERA. Um, and opponents were hitting him at a 302 clip. He got his fastball back up a couple of notches, um, and he he pitched better consistently down the stretch. He posted a 169 ERA in 11 games in September. So as his velocity goes, so does his success. So hopefully Wander Suero can find that success again uh, as long as his velocity stays up. And uh, I, I think that, you know, I he's 26 years old. He's someone that I think Nationals fans think a lot about and is like, oh, my God, he's, he's been here forever. But he's only been around for a handful of seasons, uh, at least at the major league level. He doesn't have that many appearances. Um, he, he keeps the ball in the – another thing is him keeping the ball in the park. When he keeps the ball in the park, he's very effective. But when he gives up the home runs, you can say that to any pitcher, but he has periods of when he gives up a lot of home runs. And I think that a lot of comes with – uh, his pitching count. If he's not pitching too many innings, he has to be a one-inning kind of guy. Uh, whenever we see him pitch multiple innings, I think we see Wander Suero get in trouble. Uh, and over his career, when his pitch count is between 1 and 25 pitches, he hits batters to a slash line of 231, a 310 on base, and a 357 slugging percentage. When his pitch count gets over 20, 26 or more, opponents are hitting him at 341, 378 and 463. So he's got to stay as a one inning guy, in my opinion. I think Dave Martinez envisions that as well. Hence the need for him to get stronger and increase his fastball velocity because that way he'll get outs quicker and he'll only be needed uh, to get uh, one inning of work done per outing. If he goes any more than that or his pitch count gets too high, he gets beat, uh, uh, batted around. I think that's where Wanda Suero really gets in trouble. He is built for a one inning bridge kind of guy. So he needs to be that. I think we think of him sometimes as a long reliever. He does not need to be that. He needs to be the bridge maybe for the sixth or seventh inning. Or, you know, if you're doing a bullpen day earlier in the game uh, where he bridges the, the starting pitcher to uh, the back end of the bullpen. Yeah, and that works out well from uh, if you're looking at it from a matchup standpoint too, because like Will Harris, he's another guy that that has really good results against left-handed hitters. He's another guy that has a, a pretty productive cutter uh, that he used over 80% of the time in 2020. So he's another guy that needs to look to mix that in a little bit better. But he's good against left-handed hitters, and that'll get, give Davies some matchup leverage, especially if he's going to be just a, a one-inning guy. Um, and to wrap, not wrap up, we got a couple more names here. Uh, Kyle McGowan is a name that uh, Nationals fans became familiar with a little bit last year as well. Uh, this is a guy that I think was – the Nationals originally had him on the path to be a starting pitcher, but then he moved to the bullpen full-time just a couple of years ago. And ever since then, he's, he's had some really good success. Uh, he only pitched in nine games last year, though, the 11 innings and ERA uh, approaching five, only 16 strikeouts. Um, but he got, when he finally got his promotion, he did start well. Uh, I think those numbers are a little skewed with how he ended the season. He started the season well. He made his debut in Atlanta. He faced eight batters, retired all seven, uh, retired seven of them, four via the strikeout. And then his first four appearances all came against the Braves. So it's not like he was facing minor league team or, or, you know, the Orioles or the Marlins. No, he was facing a, a, a vaunted lineup in the Braves. Uh, and then he also faced the Phillies and the Mets a handful of times. And that's when he found struggle. Uh, he, he gave up uh, six runs over on seven hits uh, in his last three appearances. I think that really skewed his, those numbers you're seeing right now on the screen. Uh, but he started off well and against a really good lineup in the Braves. Uh, so he, he's shown that he's got the stuff, too, that to, to play up here as well. Right. I mean, all of those first four appearances coming against the Braves, striking out nine and uh, five and two-thirds rim is, was really impressive. But just like you mentioned after that, that, kind of towards the end of the season, he fell off. He got hit around a good bit, and he's kind of probably one of the last two 
um, in, if you will, with this bullpen along with with the lefty um, Sam Clay. Wouldn't you say that's true, Bobby? Yeah, I would think so. And I, I think Sam Clay would be uh, uh, mentioned and, and end up making this roster because he is a left-handed pitcher. The only other lefty we've talked about so far uh, is, of course, Brad Hand. Um, and, and, you know, with Dave, a lot's been made of, with the modern-day bullpen, it is all about matchups, and you don't need uh, a straight-up lefty matchup guy, especially guys who, when you have guys who can get both sides of the plate out. Uh, but I, I don't see the Nationals entering the season with just one lefty in their bullpen. I would think Sam Clay, and this is a guy that has a similar path like Kyle Finnegan. He doesn't need to be Kyle Finnegan, and they actually pitch quite differently. Not only that they're one's lefty and one's righty, but Sam Clay uh, is just a different style of pitcher, but he can follow a similar path. He's a guy that has all minor league experience, hasn't made his major league debut yet, but signed a major league contract this offseason with the Nationals and is going to get a chance to to make this roster. And I think he has a good chance to make this roster because he, because he is a left-handed pitcher and he's had really good success in the minor leagues. He, uh, he gets the ball on the ground. He keeps the ball in the yard. Uh, so I think that's something that the Nationals are looking for in Sam Clay uh, and, and this new guy who hasn't made his debut yet. Right, exactly. Just giving up just six home runs in more than 405 innings at the minor league level. Obviously, we'll have to see how that translates to the big league level. Uh, you're seeing a lot different caliber of, of hitters, um, especially even different than you're seeing down at spring training. Um, but he, the thing about him is he's a lefty. He has that going for him, and he that will probably be his way onto the roster and, and into this bullpen. Yeah, and uh, I, I just quick look at his minor league numbers. Uh, this was back in 2019 between double A AA and triple A when he was with the Minnesota Twins uh, organization, 45 games, uh, just over 69 innings, a 325 ERA, 72 strikeouts. Um, uh, he has 20 in, in three seasons since becoming uh, a, a, a full-time reliever. He had 20 saves and over 200 strikeouts in the minor leagues. Uh, of course, there was no minor league this past season. Uh, but yeah, keep the ball on the ground. He led all the minor league pitchers in 2019 with a 71.3 ground ball rate and did not give up a home run. Um, so getting the ball on the ground, keeping it in the yard, that is Sam Clay's bread and butter, bread and butter, excuse me. And, uh, again, I, he, he pitches differently than Kyle Finnegan, but he can follow that path. And, and hopefully the nationals find someone else that, you know, another team didn't want, and they maybe found something that they can uh, take advantage of at, at a decent cost. And, and, you know, he will be a part of this, uh, ro- uh rotation, or excuse me, bullpen for a couple of years. He's only 27 years old. So he still have got, you know, the heart of his career ahead of him. And the nationals are hoping that he has his best pitching yet once he reaches the major leagues. So whenever he makes his major league debut, it'll be really interesting to see how Sam Clay kind of fits and if he is that kind of lefty-molded uh, arm that the Nationals kind of not need because, again, bullpens are different nowadays and they have Brad Hand, but, you know, they wouldn't uh, be opposed to it, right? They kind of want It's kind of an, a bonus to have that extra lefty that gets ground balls and doesn't give up home runs in your bullpen. Mm-hmm. And Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo both have talked about maybe carrying nine relievers um, and, and having a nine-man bullpen. And let's not forget that uh, probably Austin both is going to factor into this picture too. Um, they're going to need a long man in the bullpen, and that's most likely going to be Eric Fetty or Austin both, um, especially at the beginning of the season when we're, they're probably going to need guys to eat up some innings when the, while these starters get into their, their full season workload. Yeah, and there's a you know there are other handful of names that we didn't get to in the, the today's episode. Uh, of course, Ben Bramer, another lefty that we saw pitch last year to some success. Um, you know, he's getting a strong look in, in spring training. Rogelio Armenteros, we figure he would be more as a starter, but he could also be a long reliever at some point in in the bullpen. Uh, Dakota Backus, uh, we know Aaron Barrett, the Bear is back in the system, so he could make an appearance at some point as well. Ryan Harper uh, is back as in, in the in the mix. So, you know, just because we meant we didn't mention them doesn't mean they're not going to play a factor. Uh, we are going to discuss later on as we get closer to opening day how the Nationals should structure their opening day roster and, and whether they're going to keep that extra arm or that extra bench player. Oh, the 26-man roster. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those the names that we went through today are, are the main guys that to focus on. We know that they're going to be in this bullpen. We know that they're going to uh, pitch a lot over the course of the season, all things uh, even and, and healthy. Uh, so, uh, But keep in mind that there are a handful of names still out there that, uh, that you could see pitching in, in tight spots. You know, you never know. Um, you never. Hopefully everyone stays injured, but that's never the case. And um, uh, so if, if – 
if some of these names are called upon at some point in this regular season, don't be surprised and that some other names are, are, are needed to pitch uh, uh, more high-leverage uh, innings. Um, are there any other names, before we get out of here, Amy, that you wanted to mention? Uh, because you did mention, of course, the, the Voth and the Fetties uh, as well. No, I think you, you mentioned a lot of the main guys. TJ McFarlane is another lefty. Uh, that might, you know, injuries come and go and maybe he'll get a chance because he's a lefty, obviously. He'll be bumped up the list a little bit, but that's another name to keep an eye on. Um, you never know, just like you mentioned, you know, hopefully everybody stays healthy. You don't see a whole lot of these guys, but look at how many guys made their debut last year yeah. out of this bullpen. So you, you never know what's going to happen, push, come to shove. But those are all of the main main guys that would probably be next up in this bullpen. Yep, yep. And I also always caution, especially now, th- thankfully we have a 162-game season upon us. We'll have a full season. If things don't start off great, no need to panic. I don't panic at least until we get into somewhere near June. Um, so, again, this this opening uh, schedule is tough for the Nationals. The Mets, the Braves, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, those are your first four opponents out of the gate. Uh, that is not going to be easy uh, to start. Uh, yeah, and then those last two at – at LA, at St. Louis, um, and then you come back and place the D-backs, the Cardinals again, the Mets, the Blue Jays, and the Marlins. So that first month of April is going to be tough. So if some of these guys struggle early on, um, especially guys that we've seen maybe be held back a little bit in spring training uh, due to injury or whatever it may be. Uh, let's not completely hit the panic button until we get a little deeper into the season and guys settle in. Remember, a lot of these guys, some of them didn't pitch the normal innings. A lot of guys didn't pitch at all last year. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how pitchers adjust to this season, how they ramp up and how they look early on. Uh, but I don't, I don't think there's going to be a need for panic anytime uh, uh, until late May, early June. Uh, and if, if guys struggle out the gate, hopefully they don't, hopefully they play pitch well um, and, and everything goes off um, swimmingly for the nationals. Um, that's pretty much going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for joining in on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, hopefully you're also catching the national, uh, the mass and all access podcast on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts, you can get the mass and all access podcast. You can also follow both of us on Twitter at Amy Jennings news for Amy. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco, of course, at mass nationals across the board, uh, for mass and nationals on, on social media, stay tuned to mass for all the latest updates from spring training from Mark Zuckerman. Um, we will see you opening day. Uh, hopefully you're a lucky few that get into the Nationals Park uh, on April 1st against the Mets. That will be exciting. Hopefully more of you will be allowed later on in the season. Um, uh, Amy, thank you so much for joining me again. Next week, I think we're talking about the final kind of roster competitions, and uh, uh, we'll be entering the last week of spring training when we uh, next chat, which will be pretty crazy. I'm excited. I'll see you next week, Bobby. All right. Thanks so much for Amy. Thanks you all for tuning in. Uh, Be sure to have a safe and healthy St. Patrick's Day. Keep each other responsible uh, and be sure you're staying safe and healthy wherever you are throughout this time. And uh, don't worry, Nationals baseball is just around the corner. Stick with us. We'll be with you next week. Enjoy the holiday tomorrow. Slancha.